0: Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for spreading the word and growing the show. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by our stars Insider from EP Ringside. He has his own substack, which means he gives you exclusive information. That's at Shap Shots. He also writes for D Magazine. And, of course, he's a Hollywood superstar. at Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I don't know about superstar, but... The the movie is
1: the movie. There is a movie coming out. Yes, I guess. I guess we'll let that go.
0: Uh, Yes, I
1: I guess I'll I'll let you amp it up that way. As your uh, hype man, sir,
0: (laughs) as your hype man, Hollywood (laughs) Shapiro, (laughs) let me do my job. (laughs) So Friday night you were at the South Carolina Stingray game. Let me know Mm -hmm. how that how that went.
1: That was good. That was good. That was. Yeah, we haven't spoken. We spoke right before that happened. So the. Was pretty cool. The uh, I have uh, I'd obviously I'd seen I'd seen the movie the night before, um, but I'd seen it in the cast and crew screening, and it was the uh, so everyone is in that room is obviously uh uh it, has worked on it, so it's it's kind of that the people that you worked on the movie with and everything, and then Friday night was kind of the first like oh geez it's out in the world type thing, and it was on the video board. Uh, down where the stingrays play um during the second intermission and it was it was really cool to see like it was cool to see the reaction it was cool to see people uh it was cool to see people actually uh, digging it and everything like that. Um it was uh I know for a fact, it's uh, it's funny we uh there's a story on the uh there was a story on so that the two guys who the real reasons this movie happened. Um, one of them is my good friend, Jeff Tyner and Jeff is the director and writer of this movie. And he's from Charleston, South Carolina. And, uh, his good friend also from Charleston named Jeff Zucker. And, uh, they were, uh, they're from Charleston and there was a nice little, uh, news piece in, in the Charleston, uh, local ABC affiliate, I think down there afterwards. And, uh, I was, uh, apparently, uh, both, uh, jared bednar who uh coaches for the avalanche now obviously yeah as a uh but was has has ties to south carolina yep. uh heard about the movie through that clip and so did uh spencer cadbury the current coach of the uh washington capitals so nice uh it was a uh, pair of uh, nhl coaches with charleston ties we happy to find out there was a hockey movie with charleston ties so yeah. uh, it was it was a really cool uh it's really cool to see it kind of come to life and um, I'm excited for people to see this movie when it comes out. Absolutely.
0: uh, And one of the, one of the co-stars of that, I was watching the spit and chiclets podcast, which is one of the biggest uh, hockey podcasts in North America. And we've done several stories here on spits and suds about them because they've kind of changed um, some things, you know, as far as breaking some stories and they've had great guests and everything. Just, massive stick taps uh, to what they've been able to pull off because once again, I think they've done a good job of growing the great game of hockey and showing the personality that hockey has, but their main host, um, R.A. is also in the movie in a starring role. So did you get some time with, uh, him? Yeah. R.A.
1: uh, he plays the Zamboni driver in the movie and, uh, we, uh, we had, we, I don't think we'd met before the movie. We might have, I mean, it's, um, but we hadn't actually hung out in a close capacity before or anything like that, before we worked on the movie together. And uh, he was uh, he was also down at the uh, at the at the game in Charleston last week. And uh, obviously, he's got a, a a lot more fame than I do. People were uh, <laughs> wanting his, his signature and everything like that. Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was good. We uh, I was actually funnily enough, I actually. Uh, RA actually sent me a picture the other the other day that he had from on set where, because so uh, I played the goalie in this movie right, and there's a there's a scene, there's a picture he sent me the other day where he's just like kind of like menacingly like almost seems like Phantom of the Opera esque like standing behind the glass behind the goal, <laughs> like, so uh, so yeah it's uh, I'm uh, it was kind of it was cool to get to know him a little bit he's a uh, um obviously I've listened to their, their show over there and yeah. everything like that. And uh but uh now it was uh to kind of he was one of the people who were helped make this happen too and um him and uh the other hockey quote unquote uh celebrity in this one is uh Zach Bell who does the uh if you if you seen someone doing trick shots on hockey, on TikTok, on Instagram, or whatever, it's probably Zach from Always Hockey fame, so he was in it too, so kind of cool to see all of that, it was kind of funny because obviously RA has a bit of the they did a uh, little bit of an autograph signing for those two during the first intermission at the Stingrays game, and there was two lines it was kind of funny, there was a line and it would be all of the dads we're trying to uh all the, the the thirty sub the thirty, forty something year old dads who clearly listen to the show are are trying to get RA's autographed while their <laughs> 10, 12 year old kids are with them in line because Zach's there. Yeah. So it was kind of funny to see the 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 demographic uh, the double demographic connection on that right yeah. there. So Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> They've struck gold with that uh with that show and that is interesting, the different uh the different demos. So Congratulations, Hollywood, and thank you for making the time for us today. (laughs) Um, All right, so this is why you need to sign up for Sean's Substack at Shapshots, and he has it on Twitter how you can do it. And the reason I say that is because you'll hear uh, the Q&A between him and Star's general manager, Jim Nill, and we'll present a lot of it to you today on Spits and Suds because we appreciate you guys. And I got a really, really cool comment um, that, People commented on the podcast and they they talked about all the insiders that we have on and kind of the information that they can't find anywhere else. So you sat down with uh, Jim Nill prior to last night's tilt, Detroit, Dallas, and some really, really interesting questions. I mean, massive stick tap to you, Sean, because if I were to pick five or six questions, you nailed them. I mean, you, you actually talked about what I wanted to hear, and uh, let's start with, you know, Haskin in returning and your conversation regarding Nils Lundquist's development.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and thank you for the commentary on that. That was uh that's I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear it's connecting with the yeah the at least one reader, you being you, Gavin. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I it. Uh, but it was uh yeah, it, it was to me it was really one of the things I wanted to kind of Talk to nil about in general is because it's the nils lundquist narrative is a fascinating one right like where and how and where this is all gonna go right and the fact of the matter about this is um miro Hishkin and jinjuri has opened up a chance for nils lundquist to kind of play through um, some mistakes that he might not have been able to play through before. And we talked, uh, we've talked before about how we think like there's, there's some things where they need to give Lundqvist a little bit more leash and your are an eyes opinion and that's fine. But um, it was to me, one of the most interesting things um, kind of reading into this. And Jim is always very polished when he speaks and everything like that. But I, I do think I get him to open up a little bit more than most people. Um, the interesting thing was talking about how for the coaching staff, To me, like, Jim mentioned how the coaching staff was looking for a little bit more offensive production from Nils Lundquist, which is fine. And while Jim was kind of talking about how he was a little bit more focused on looking at the defensive side, and it's not saying that those two aren't on the same page. It's not saying that Pete DeBoer and Jim Dill aren't on the same page. It's more so, to me, it's just interesting to kind of see how it gives us a little bit of insight of how the two sides see things and how we can kind of properly assess where this goes because in the long term and based off my conversation with jim nil nils lundquist is i i I feel more confident that nils lundquist is part of this long-term plan and that's kind of that's not and i i may not have I, i would have had doubts about that before some of my recent conversations whether he it's it's kind of changed a little bit how i kind of thought and how I think we assess and look at each game for Lundqvist, just trying to using how his bosses are assessing him. And I think that's valuable. Like um, Pete DeBoer and his staff, they want to see Lundqvist add some offensive spark. They want to see him create. Jim Nill looks at him or Okay, how do we... Jim Nill kind of believes that's already there and wants to see how do you work defensively because I want to see how my pairings are going to build next year and the year after, who's going to play with Thomas Harley, who's going to play with Miro. Um, I th- it was, so it was interesting to me to kind of see that play out, and also a little bit more, like, as of now, I feel better today saying Nils Lundqvist will be part of this team two, three years from now than I would have before my conversation last night.
0: Hmm. That's, that's so. really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, I mean, kudos to Lunquist. I think he's played w- you know, particularly well when he's been getting that reps, which we've been talking about, you know, at some point, that's been the toughest thing, you know, as many people that watch the stars, one of the biggest uh, commentaries I hear about this organization, Sean, is they don't let the young players play and play out those mistakes.
1: And that is a, That's true to an extent. Let's let's be clear on something, right? Like that is one of the commentaries, and there are definitely elements to it, but there are also let's also not forget the other side of it too. Um Wyatt Johnston got to play all 82 games last year. Mm -hmm. Miro Hashkinen from the beginning was given his chances. Like, I mean, and, and as much as people are like, oh, those are great players, like there are guys, like there are players who have proven that if you're good enough at that young age, you're not going to be limited. And even as much as, as much as Ty Delandria is in the discussion right now, and for talk about uh, talk Time about length. a uh, bad penalty last oh. night, that's for Ty DeLandria. Like that's you, for a guy uh, who needs to hit yeah. him.
0: And just to jump in real quick, I yeah, hated yeah. that because I thought Delandria played really well. I liked he his will, hustle. Yeah. I liked his hustle on the ice. They highlighted on the TV broadcast that tremendous back check uh, that he had. Yep. And then get back, getting back right in front of the net. Uh, so those things and that just completely changed the third period. And all I could think of was you and I talking about what he did in Calgary with that costly mistake toward the end of the game. And I was like, man, if he sits next game, I mean, it is what it is. But I just hated it because he had played so well all game.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the spot where even with what everything that's gone on with Ty Delandria this year, he still played 82 games last year. It wasn't it wasn't like yeah. he didn't have a chance. That's the other thing. Like you know, like Ty Delandria had his chance, and Thomas Harley had there was there was some slow playing in. He went to the AHL and everything like that, but he's had his chance. So I think there is. You can be critical of management of certain players when it comes to the stars and usage and everything like that. But it's also, I don't think it's as fair to paint with a single brush as some people like to do when it comes to tweets and comments and things like that. Yeah,
0: so. absolutely. You did ask about Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven because, I mean, you know, good on Pete DeBoer. Um, but, you know, when they sent him down, he felt as though they were. Quote NHL ready in several aspects. They always have things that they can work on. But you asked uh, Jim Nil about Stankoven and Bork and their future as far as when they'll come up or what's what's Nil's thoughts of that. And I thought he I thought he gave a pretty good answer, Sean, regarding you know. The now is here, but at the same time, you need those guys for the future as far as salary cap. And I'm glad he brought up salary cap because I'm hoping that we can get out of this cap restraint that we've had for the last three years.
1: Yeah, it's it's a big thing. Like it's the spot where you look at the stars and you look at where they are with some of the players they have and they move out of this window. Like we talk a lot about Wyatt Johnston, but man, Gavin, someday we're going to have to do someday soon. We're going to have to go through the Wyatt Johnston next contract yep. discussion because he is like as great as he has been playing and everything like that. He has, he is creating a bit of a, uh, welcomed financial headache. Yes. That is, uh, that is, uh, that, that I don't think anyone would have, uh, that I don't think anyone would have, uh, kind of imagined before we, uh, not not before, not going into this season, but I don't think hey, I say even this year, actually. You know what? Like I, I think Wyatt Johnston, not that I expected Johnston to hit a sophomore wall or anything like that. I just don't think I would have expected Wyatt Johnston to be sometimes their best player on almost a nightly basis. That's something where I don't think I would have expected that. Like I thought he would have been good this year. And so he is definitely creating some interesting decisions down the line that are going to impact how and how many and how much veteran forwards the stars can use. And like kind of fiscally, financially speaking, the longer you can delay the big paydays for Logan Stankov and Maverick Bork, if they become the players you think they are the better right now. Yeah. And that's something that Jim, Jim Nill and his staff are kind of having to manage right now and think about because um, it's, 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 Thing about the that we've talked about the stars a lot, and I like how they handle things. Is it's I do like that they focus on not selling everything out for one year. Like you don't want to be the Columbus Blue Jackets who sold out everything for one year in one playoff series, and now look where they are. Right. Right. And I think the Stars have done a pretty good job of making sure that they don't lose track of the long term goal. Is to the the goal is to win a Stanley Cup, but it's also to still compete. But it's not to win a Stanley Cup and then trade that for ten seasons of uh, down years.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. And for reference, Wyatt Johnston has one more year after this, and yeah. then he becomes a restricted free agent. But at the same time, I could see them starting to have initial conversations in this off season about you know semi like a Haskinen deal where you get the big contract you're still under that contract for one more year the old contract and then the new one uh kicks in so yeah, yeah. he's
1: going to be he's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting how Johnston wants to play this because he's going to be one of those guys who's kind of right at the spot where um he's going to be he'll be an RFA so he won't have full rights and everything like that it'd be interesting to see how he and the stars play is it a bridge deal for a couple years is it something where he wants to um, cash in big time now. It would be very interesting to kind of watch yeah. next year what happens with him.
0: So Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really uh, excited. All right, next question you asked Jim Nil, and this is what I love about Sean, folks, because we've heard this feedback on spits and suds. So you figure, you know, and Sean has a terrific relationship with Jim Nil. That's why you hear Sean a lot on this program, and that's why we love him. As an insider, I spoke with, you know, Stars GM Jim Nil. And I love this, the way you start with this question. Bear with me on this, but Jake Ottinger hasn't been good this season as he was (laughs) past years, even before the injury. I I absolutely love how you started that question because you're basically saying, like, here's my opinion. Also, here's the opinion of others, but we need to get the general manager's, you know, opinion. So I thought that was very interesting. And, you know, his answer as well was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, and and Jim is a uh, Jim is an optimist. He is someone who he's optimistic and he's pragmatic at the same time. And um, with Ottinger, right? It's it is kind of weird too to be having this discussion about the all star one all star representative for the stars at the same time, where Ottinger has not been as good this year, and it's okay to say that. It's 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 also reflective of how high the standard is, but. And Neil, the thing I was curious from Neil's perspective on this, and he kind of agreed with me a little bit, was the fact that at some point every goalie is going to have ups and downs. That's just the nature of the position. And you don't want to be the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs when Connor Hellebuck struggled. Because we saw what happened last year when Connor Hellebuck had a bit of a downtime and then all of a sudden the Jets just... Fell apart because basically their safety blanket was gone, and I think the stars kind of the stars and Ottinger kind of learned to lean on each other a little bit, and Jim kind of echoed that a little bit, where it's like it was important to see how the team responded to this and how they they went that way and everything, and it's it's kind of one of the classic things where if this season is all about what happens in May and June, in a weird way, the struggles that Ottinger had. They may have been for the better. It's a weird way to put it, but I th- it's 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 definitely it's it's it is a reality in this in this big yeah. picture world here.
0: Yeah, so. and, and the general manager won't say it, but I think an improved defense in front of him would uh, certainly help. Yesterday on Spitz and Suggs' yeah. program, Sean uh, Craig highlighted something that I mentioned on the post uh, game show last night. Every single game, it seems as though they've lost positioning in front of the net. Craig was explaining. Mm-hmm. He'd like to see sticks up. He does not like that their sticks are down. Um yeah. and he feels as though you gotta focus more on the man. Uh, and that's how you get better positioning. So I thought that was interesting. And I would
1: yeah, yeah. I actually would Gavin, I would actually love for next time you have Craig on, yeah. um, just uh I would love for you to ask him about so Jim. If you look in, in that in that answer that Jim gave me, one of them was about how it's harder to box out now. You can't really box guys out and everything like that. I would be fascinated to hear Craig's perspective yep. on that for him watching the game now, as opposed to, obviously, a guy who played the game when the box out was a huge part of the game. So I'd be yep. curious to hear. your. So. <laughs> I um,
0: will do it next week. When I yeah. asked the question, he said, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. So next week, I will get yeah. him started because I know it's yeah. a... It's a point, and it's a point that Stars fans are seeing on a recurring basis. So, um, yeah. yeah, I will uh, certainly ask him about that. And then you also talked to Jim Nill about analytics, and I like the way that you, you used NFL example as far as Tampa <laughs> going for two against Detroit and how that relates to analytics. And I'm glad he said what he said, and, you know, I just want to – Jim Neal responds to you: If the analytics actually said something, and that's how you use them, they'd have been killed off already by NHL teams because analytics would have said the Detroit Red Wings have uh, should have beat or won the Stanley Cup in the year they lost the first round to the Anaheim Ducks in four straight. So I, th- I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating because I think that some watch the stars and maybe think that they might be too analytic based as far as not going out to get that quote unquote physical presence. Yeah. I will raise my hand on that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, 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 I think it's, it's kind of the space with all teams. It's, it, it feels like in general, when it comes to hockey analytics, it feels like, too often people feel like they have to be pro or pro or anti usage one way or the other. And I really think there's this big gray area that just doesn't get properly addressed well enough in, in the way it actually gets used. Like um, I think there are times and there are tools that uh, times and tools where it works well and you can use it for this or that, but there's also other things that you, um, there's not a large enough sample size, right? Like it's, if somebody goes and says, hey, we're going to use this. Well, how do you account for goaltending? One of the greatest equalizers in the sport. How do you account for, uh, like analytically speaking, how do you account for Jake Gottinger playing, coming off illness? Like there's little things like that, that you just need the larger sample size and you figure out what works and what doesn't. And I actually... I'm not being a stars slappy and defending this. I just think the reality is I think the stars kind of have done a good job finding a bit of that balance because they are talking to Nil, talking to other people in the organization there's a bit of an understanding that you need to find a way to combine this team and you look at how they've built that team on the front end it's so big it where it can wear people down and they and they can hold the puck. But they also, at the same time, you look at the back end, you're like, okay, you'd like another guy like that on the defensive end. I I think we do see evidence that things are getting, I, th- I think kind of the, hey, the stars don't use this or do this or whatever. It's, uh. I actually think the stars are actually doing a pretty good job of trying to manage and figure it all out And with all this. And the best part is we all don't know the exact answer. Five years from now, we could be like, oh, you know what? We know this. And you and I, that stat might we you and I might not even know what that stat is right now. And that's kind of the wild thing about this this era of analytics, because while well, baseball analytics and football and, and even soccer are so well versed out in all of the private sector stuff has basically become public. We've only got a snippet right now on the public side of what the NHL teams actually see. I actually remember talking to um the assistant GM um the carolina hurricanes about this and like he was talking about how right now you look in the public space and it's like uh it's like turning the the data in the public space right now what we see is like turning a light on and off and just doing it like every four or five seconds where what they see on the back end is like the light never turns off you have all the data so it is a it is it's 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 a space that is fascinating where the growth is going with all of this so
0: April will mark. I that, yeah, I hope that makes. I hope that no, makes sense. it totally does. <laughs> yeah. and, and April yeah. will mark 11 years uh, that Jim Neal has been yeah. general manager of this team, and it's his first general yeah. manager gig. And uh, I would guess last, um, yeah. you know. And I will say this, Sean, and feel free to respond. I mean, there were some years that the Stars, you know, they went through a numerous years where they didn't make the playoffs. The signings of Alice Hemsky didn't work out. Martin Hansel, uh, you know, the draft pick of Julius Honka didn't work out. Riley Tufte didn't work out. But, you know, within that, there have been the Borks, the Stankovens, the Duchesne signing. Uh, Radulov was a good signing for the first two years. Um, there have been some key signings. Pavelski obviously is up there. Wyatt Johnston was a terrific Draft I mean, pick.
1: The Duchesne deal has been very good this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you pointed that but, out in the article. Uh, and it was interesting that he said um, that he has performed above expectations, which I thought was great. And he also said something that was interesting that I agree with in that he feels as though Duchesne is more comfortable because he's not taking a leading role. You know, yeah. he can just play his game. And I, I did find that fascinating. By the way, I mean, We've seen the Owen tip it over and over again. Boy, and I know it's not going to show up on highlights, but that pass to Mason Marchment for that one-time kind of slap-in last night just shows Matt Duchesne. I mean, that thing was right on the tape. You know, if, if it's a foot or two elsewhere, Marchment has to stop his stride. Maybe that's a difference maker, but he's just done that over and over again. I mean, I think he's been above expectations for all of us. So I wanted to kind of like, Get your thoughts as Nil as a whole because you have a good relationship with him. Yeah. I do like how he's been very open and honest, and he's been out there as a general manager answering questions.
1: I uh, I really respect it because it's the it's not the status quo for NHL GMs. There are some that are very guarded, very hidden on things, and I think they're like I think little things like being open and honest about hey, Miro Hishkin is going to play this week. That doesn't, that doesn't hurt. You. That doesn't hurt how the like. That doesn't hurt you. It doesn't to, to give the. It's it's something that a you know what, it builds a better rapport with your fan base, and you know what, maybe someone going to the game now. Maybe someone going to the game this week at home. You can look forward to Miro Heiskanen playing a game. Like I think there's there's little things like that that some GMs still think this is rocket science or brain surgery or whatever ridiculous comparison you want to use, and I think at the end of the day jim nill also understands that this is entertainment we are at the kids table in the world and that's okay and while it's serious and there's lots of money on the line and people have jobs at the end of the day it is sports and i think jim nill understands that i know he understands that we've talked about it before and so i like that he remembers that and is willing to talk about these things it's not state secrets it's not like they're it's not like there's pen, the, he's he's working with the Pentagon, and I like that a lot. And I think other GMs could learn a lot from that, and it would make hockey a lot more from an entertainment standpoint and understanding standpoint. If more people use that approach, it would be great. Um, I also think Mill has done a really good job of understanding what his job is in this market with his prospective boss. And that's something that I always think gets lost because for – all 32, like in general, there are well, they technically all have the same job. All 32 NHL GMs have a different job, if you really think about it. Jim Nill's job as a GM is to like he'd like to win a Stanley Cup, but Jim Nil's job as a GM is to build a cup contending team that reaches the playoffs on a semi-annual on a on a mostly annual basis. And on top of that, it is on top of that, he has to kind of build a team that fits a bit of the mold that Tom Gilardi likes because you have an owner that likes to put his fingers in. And we've kind of seen Gilardi have his moments where it slips through on radio spots and things like that. So um, that's what Jim Nill's job is. And I think he understands his job. He understands the market he works in. He understands that this is how you approach this job. He doesn't have the same job that Steve Eiserman has in Detroit. He doesn't have the same job that um, Barry Trotz has in Nashville or the same job that uh Danny Briere has in Philadelphia, same title, but different job. And I think understanding that job, that's one of the reasons that like, let's look this up real quick. Like, um, like of the current NHL general managers, he is now the fourth longest tenured NHL GM after only Doug Armstrong, Kevin, Kevin and off in Now, I have a hard time believing Yarmo Kekalani will still be the GM in Columbus at the end of this season. So he's probably soon to be the third most tenured NHL GM. And with how things are going in Dallas, I think he's going to be there until the day he decides he and, and we talked about, I think I mentioned on the show before, where the day he and Tom Gallardi decide to promote him to director of hockey operations and someone else technically becomes the GM the same way Kelly McCrimmon became the GM in, in Vegas after, uh, um, uh, after George McPhee, so...